1: Edition of NFL Reacts. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. Before we get going, I just want to let you guys know you've been absolutely phenomenal in your feedback so far on NFL Reacts and everything that we're doing on this show. As always, we just ask that you please subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on this show as well as the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, today on NFL Reacts, we've got some starting quarterbacks who have officially been named week one starters. and. A couple of injuries with some pretty massive fantasy implications as well as a trade. Uh, The Bills are going out of their way to put themselves at a competitive disadvantage. And we've got some fantasy narratives that we want to squash before the season starts. Later on in the show, when we go all across, when we go across the board, uh, Justice Mosqueda, we talked about his favorite bets of the NFL regular season last week. This week, we're going to talk about some bets that he absolutely hates. So without further ado... I'm joined by Kate Madjuk of DK Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Are you guys as excited as I am for the laser-eye-improved diet and exercised Jameis Winston that is likely to be named the New Orleans Saints starting quarterback?
0: Exerjuiced, you mean. Uh, you, Steven, you started off this podcast uh, on our pre-call saying that you were hashtag juiced for Jameis. Yes, And I think we need to be so pumped. I cannot wait to see this offense. There's lots of uh, interesting betting lines that we can discuss once we get get in. I'd love to hear Justice's thoughts on some of these lines that are available for the Saints, for Jameis Winston right now, because the, the implications of Jameis Winston under center are monstrous.
2: He's going to be fun. That's one thing that you can say about Jameis uh, Winston compared to, you know, Drew Brees' offenses in the past, especially, what, since 2018 or 2019 when his arm really started dying out and it was just, you know, hey, they call, they call Michael Thomas slant boy for a reason, right? Jameis Winston isn't going to be hitting slants like that. He's going to try to chuck it deep. And at least in terms of, like, entertainment value, that's a huge plus.
1: The worst contract in football, in my opinion, is the Taysom Hill contract. Uh, it never made sense. He was never going to be a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. And you could tell by the games that he started last season that he wasn't as good as Jameis Winston, so it didn't make any sense. I like to think that Taysom Hill was standing on the sideline in that preseason game, and he saw that first deep touchdown to Marquez Callaway, and he was just like, no, oh, no. Oh no! And, and just oh, like oh
0: no 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 no, he was
1: just heartbroken. And Jameis <laughs> is out here. Everybody else on the team celebrating and juiced for Jameis, like I am. I'm so excited that Jameis Winston's going to be a starting quarterback again.
2: If if he had any sense to him, he would be happy, right? I mean, everyone talks about back of quarterbacks the best job in the world. I mean, he's going to come in, run like two package plays a game from under center. Other than that, he's going to do some blocking, and, and then. Someone else is going to pay him, and they're going to think, hey, maybe we can make the Taysom Hill thing work, right? (laughs) I mean, Taysom Hill might be the big winner here in that he doesn't get exposed as like a 17-game starter, so he he can run it back next offseason get another contract.
0: Exposed is the perfect word for uh, the the situation that Taysom Hill has avoided because – now, if we don't see him, uh, like I, I'm projecting Jameis out for 17 games, I don't think he loses this job whatsoever, but Taysom Hill, like we can always have this uh, question mark in the back of our minds now because we never got to see it come to fruition. Like, you know, he can, he can go to bed every single night with the, uh, the, the knowledge that nobody disproved that he could be a starting caliber NFL quarterback.
2: And, so the, and that's no what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. I mean, Colt McCoy right now is a backup quarterback in the league QB two. And the whole reason is like, I don't know, dude, would you ever see him fail? And if you never see him fail, then he just ends up keep finding jobs. And if the guy in front of him doesn't get hurt, he just finds another place after his contract runs out. It's a real good gig. If you can find the work,
1: man, I, I do believe that Taysom Hill goes to sleep and he's like, I just never got my shot. Like I just never, I just never got the shot that I was supposed to get. You
2: think league. it's like Uncle Rico situation? Like if yeah. Coach would have put me in, man, if Coach yeah. would have put me in.
0: <laughs> that's uh, what I, I mean- say uh, when people are like, "Why aren't you a starting uh, professional player in the NFL, Kate?" I'm like, I just, you know, I never got my shot, and that's that's my mantra every night before bed. It keeps my confidence high. Uh, knowing that, you know what, it's the coach's fault. Coach didn't put me in. Uh, I could have been a starting caliber NFL quarterback, but I just never got my opportunity. Uh, And that's what I'm going to say for the rest of my life.
1: I think there's a lot of guys in the NFL that probably (laughs) tell themselves that. Uh, I do think that there's a real possibility that like Sean Payton would give Taysom Hill another contract. I don't think it's going to be as bad as this one is, but when this contract expires, I I feel like, Taysom Hill is always going to have an opportunity to be a new Orleans Saint, So he's at least got that for him. Like he's had a pretty successful NFL career in the long run. Uh, Another guy that I'm excited for. I know justice is not excited for him in any way. The Denver Broncos named Teddy Bridgewater, their starting quarterback earlier this week. Uh, I'm curious, Kate, how do you feel about Teddy on this very talented Denver Broncos offense?
0: I am pumped for Teddy Bridgewater and anybody else who is not pumped uh, should actually be uh, pumped. Uh, Let's, let's just squash the narrative. We've talked about what narratives uh, maybe we need to squash ahead of the season. And I think one of those narratives is the fact that uh, Teddy Bridgewater is not good for fantasy football. Um, We should be very happy that Teddy Bridgewater is under center for uh, the, that Broncos in general, I think, obviously have plenty of, of talent, but let's look at what we saw the Carolina Panthers accomplish last season in PPR formats. He funneled targets to three top 25 wide receivers on the season. You had Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and DJ Moore all be productive. All three of those wide receivers uh, outscored Tyler Boyd last season. All three of those wide receivers outscored Cooper Cup last season. Uh, the The fact that Teddy Bridgewater is the starting quarterback is good news. It is not the gunslinger mentality that it is good for. It is the fact that he can deliver a clean football to these guys and put them in a position where they can catch the football. That is the key.
2: Yeah, I think I think with Teddy in there, it's going to be a lot more like catch and run type of passing game versus when locks in there. I mean, he's trying to chuck it, which is why I like Locke, right? Like I want to see the deep ball. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't know if like Al Davis is some long, you know, long pass relative or something like that, but I want to see the deep ball. That's why I'm happy for Jameis. That's why I wanted Locke to start. Um, but if Teddy's in there, I mean, he definitely is like the better, most con- more consistent quarterback, you know, down on a like a down-to-down, drive-to-drive basis in Denver. The big thing is just like Cortland Sutton, such a big target. You kind of want to get that guy on matchups downfield. Jerry Judy, I mean, the guy moves like Odell Beckham Jr. I'm sure you could do catch-and-run stuff with him, but it would just be so much more fun if Locke was in there. But I I guess – so here's a question I would pose to you guys. If Teddy's the week one starter, like what does he have to do – to have Locke enter any game because that's a very hard position to be in if you're a Teddy to actually lose that job because you're so consistent. They already bought into the consistency by naming you that starter. He would have to play like worse than he ever has in his career to lose that starting job. I think Locke is just a backup at this point.
0: Yeah, I do think Locke is a backup. And I, I think the way that we know that, and of course there's plenty there's plenty of question marks that could change this. Obviously, we don't know uh, injury. Like, there's always this potential for unexpected news, um, unexpected performances. But let's consider the fact that it would have been a heck of a lot easier to just name Drew Locke the starting quarterback, allow him to fall on his face. Uh, not that, not that we want to see him fall on his face necessarily, but. Um, it's a lot easier to do that, take the job away from him in season than it is to take the way the job away, uh, ahead of the season and then try to give it back to him once your experiment fails. So I think this is, this is us being told like, yeah, we're, we're projecting him to be the guy, um, all season long. And I do think it would take a bit to, uh, take that back away with him from him just because of the circumstances.
1: I think Teddy would have to get hurt. Like I I don't think that he's going to lose the job because of poor performance, because we've got enough of a sample size of Teddy Bridgewater where you know what you got in him. Like he's a safe quarterback who's going to be productive, who can be an NFL starter, but he doesn't really supply like a very high ceiling as a player. But I think that benefits, you know, the players like, jerry judy who i'm really excited about this season and i i've got a lot of exposure to jerry judy in my fantasy football leagues and you know kj hamler a guy who you can get him a quick pass and he can create if you give him some space guys like that i'm a little worried about the implications for Cortland Sutton because i think Cortland Sutton can be a special player but he's more of a guy who You just got to put it up for him and let him go make a play because he's just explosive and he can jump over defensive back. So I'm a little bit worried about what it means for a player like Cortland Sutton more than I am KJ Hamler and even Noah Fan or Jerry Judy.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, a guy like that. And we talked about the Jets on the Wednesday pod a little bit and how they're kind of using Corey Davis and like that Devontae Adams role where. Not only is you your ex, but he's like your quick screen guy on the backside of runs and you're just feeding him just because he's a bully. I think that there's a way to make Cortland Sutton work, you know, in that framework um, where you can use his big body that doesn't necessarily have to be like frame catches deep downfield where you could just get the ball in his hand instantly. The cornerback is playing off and. It's pick a hole, right? I mean it's basically like Oklahoma drill like just run get as much as many yards up the sideline as you possibly can i I think there's ways that they can kind of manufacture those type of touches for him and you know Teddy can throw a screen he, he's he's proven that at this point.
1: I am uh, a little questionable about the thought process with the Broncos and the management after. You know, I kind of assumed Teddy Bridgewater was going to be named the starter because I think he's probably just better than Drew Locke. And it's not like Drew Locke was a high end draft pick, like he was like a top 10 player or something that they've got this huge investment in. So I I never really understood the, well, we're going to roll the dice with him. We're going to take a cornerback in the first round of this year's draft instead of taking Justin Fields. Like it, it just, it never made sense. And then to then, Go through the preseason where Drew Locke's actually had his moments and looked pretty good and still named Teddy the starter. You were never looking at Drew Locke as your week one starter then, in my opinion. So it didn't matter what he did in the preseason. It was always going to be our guy, Teddy.
2: I think one of the tougher things in Denver, just from like a broader perspective too, is the fact that like the ownership is in court right now, trying to figure out who's actually running the team. And when you don't have clear leadership, it's really hard to pull the trigger on a quarterback, especially that early in the draft. So, you know, I think you could look at Miami where ownership pretty clearly influenced the drafting of like to attack by law. Those type of things are hard to do when the former owners children are arguing in court trying to figure out who has ownership of the team. So especially with a first year GM, with people not knowing like what, Exactly. Does John Elway do here? Um, Is Fangio on the hot seat? I don't know. Is the owner who's can possibly can him even in the building yet? Like when all those things are up in the air, I think it's kind of harder to kind of be gung ho like we're going after our guy when we don't know who we are.
1: Yeah, that that's a tough situation. And it, it just feels like it's kind of in shambles in, in that regard, like in the front office. Like nobody really knows
2: who's well, made. at least they don't have to see Patrick Mahomes like twice a year. They don't have to see yeah, Justin yeah. Herbert twice a year. Gruden doesn't have a forever contract. It's a very weird thing being like the most state unstable team in the league, like structurally, yeah, while being in that division. Cause everyone just has their crap together for the most part and it's like uh oh we got to figure this out quick
1: but teddy is gonna be the glue that holds it all together this season uh for that franchise we do have some pretty big uh running back news that came out earlier this week uh jaguars rookie running back travis Etienne, uh his season has been cut short suffered a foot injury earlier this week to place him on ir ahead of the regular season when you get placed on injured reserve before the 53 man roster, that means you are done for the year. So we will not get to see him in the regular season. Uh, Bummer for a really talented player. Uh, But the James Robinson, Carlos Hyde stock has improved. Also the Patriots shipped off running back Sony Michelle to the Los Angeles Rams, which probably crushes a lot of people's Daryl Henderson stock this season. Kate, how do you feel about these running back moves?
0: Uh, I'm still, I have not budged. I'm not budging uh, Daryl Henderson in my fantasy football rankings. If this news is scaring your league mates, please, please, please capitalize on that investment. Look, we are looking at a guy who was available in uh, 19% of dynasty leagues traded to this team. Fantasy managers were off of Sony Michelle. We did not perceive him as a threat to Damian Harris, we were already uh, giving him the boot for Ramondre Stevenson. If we were doing that for Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, we need to uh, also ignore him in this backfield. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to get touches, but I do think this is Daryl Henderson's job to lose. Let's look at from an NFL franchise perspective. It, it was a smart move to go out and to get depth. I cannot penalize anybody for for what they did as an NFL franchise but the the draft stock uh is more heavily invested in uh daryl Henderson he is the more experienced receiver um he's the better receiving back among those two i do think that it, this is daryl Henderson's job and if if your league mates are allowing him to fall because of this news i will just be scooping him up in more and more leagues
2: the weird thing with Sony, right, is he's just never been healthy. And I just don't know if he ever comes back. He he's never looked like the guy he was at Georgia. So why do we expect him to all of a sudden change when we know the running back position? If there's any position where injuries just like eat the collective talent pool, it's definitely running back in the league. And we see those guys not bounce back all the time. So sure, Sony Michelle looked great running stretch and at Georgia that was a long time ago so I I, it kind of is hard for me to get excited about that one when I'm like I don't know what what do his legs look like because they haven't looked right for a couple years
1: yeah I'm I'm curious to see how it all plays out I I think Daryl Henderson's probably the more talented player at this point and Daryl Henderson had a nice run of games last season early on in the year where he was a productive player when he was getting the opportunity. Uh, And before he
0: was injured, people forget he was injured last season. Uh, Let's remember in, uh, what was it, week nine, when Cam Akers entered the game, he did not see a touch in that game until Daryl Henderson went out with injury. This team does not dislike Daryl Henderson, but I do think um, the the injury narrative gets lost so much when we're talking about Daryl Henderson because of the Cam makers hype.
1: Yeah, and, and Daryl Henderson's shown that he can be a productive player. So yeah, if he's tanking in your fantasy drafts right now, you can get a really good value on him. And as far as the Patriots' backfield go, goes now with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, you should have already been on Stevenson. Like he should have already been a dude you were targeting. I I think Damian Harris is, you know, he's not like an overvalued player right now, but he's not necessarily a guy that I'm targeting in my fantasy drafts because I question his upside. I don't think he's going to be involved in the passing game. Like I just think that Ramondre Stevenson offers a lot more excitement to my fantasy lineup because of how good he's looked in the preseason. I think he's just a really talented player.
0: Absolutely. You should be very concerned for Damian Harris. I mean, last year, this starting job was, was Damian Harris's. Um, He was the de facto running back one in this offense. And he was uh, virtually completely uninvolved on an offense that, um, you know, has shown plenty of propensity to target the running back position, seven total targets in the season, he played 10 games. That is that is an average of new math whizzes. Uh whiz eyes. I, I don't know what the plural of whizzes is, but um for for those of you who like the maths, uh Damian Harris averaged fewer than one target per game. And that is not good, my friends. That is not good.
2: That's, That's crazy. That's, That's crazy. such <laughs> a low amount C- compared to how some of these other teams use their backs, right? Like Green Bay with Aaron Jones, Christian McCaffrey. That's amazing that an NFL running back is seeing that little usage in the passing game.
0: Especially when he, I mean, he saw, it's not like he wasn't on the field at all. He saw 130-something rush attempts. Uh, He was the team's lead back. And um, again, I said it before, but uh, the Patriots are a team that will target the running back position. In fact, in 2020, led the league in percentage of team targets funneled to the running back position. We should be very frightened about this.
1: Yeah. It's Ramondre Stevenson just looks really good. And I know the Patriots have been in the past with their running backs, the way they like to use multiple guys and James White's going to be involved in the passing game. And they've got other guys that they're going to involve in the passing game. I generally steer clear of Patriots backfields in general, in my fantasy leagues and, and stuff like that, because They're hard to navigate. I just – I wouldn't draft personally uh, Damian Harris as like my second running back or even my third running back right now. Like if he's completely tanking in your draft, he's going to have some value, but I just like the upside of a guy like Ramondre Stevenson that you can probably get uh, much later in your fantasy football drafts. Uh, The Buffalo Bills, I feel like we could have easily predicted this, but they've had several players – Uh, who were exposed to a trainer who tested positive for COVID-19 earlier this week. Obviously, Cole Beasley, one of the most vocal anti-vaccine players across the league right now. Um, It's just a genuine competitive disadvantage, and we're seeing that unfold before our eyes with the Buffalo Bills. Like Even the Tennessee Titans, who are a team that says they're over 90% vaccinated, They're kind of going through a COVID outbreak themselves right now. And this is going to be a continued theme across the NFL season. The problem this year is that you can potentially forfeit games. It can cost you games because you have players who are refusing to get vaccinated. And that's why I am totally out on the Buffalo Bills this year. I just don't see how that team's going to come back this year and see the Chiefs or something like that in the AFC championship game again when they can't even get organized, like they can't even get everybody on the same page this year because it's going to continue to be a problem. And I don't care how much Cole Beasley wants to complain about it on social media. It's not going to change, you know, the rules, like you can argue about it and you can fight the NFL as much as you want. It's not going to change. They're just going to keep finding you and you're going to keep hurting your team in the process.
0: Yeah. Yeah. the, The most thing, the thing we need to remember is availability is key. This isn't the COVID protocols of yesteryear. Uh, by yesteryear, I mean 2020. Um, we're not going to see, uh, you know, for fantasy managers, if a game is canceled due to COVID 19, this is no longer a bye week for your player. Uh, you just you're missing a week of your player's production. Availability is just so undervalued, and this is a huge issue in terms of availability.
2: I think like the Isaiah McKenzie tweet that he sent out where he's like, oh, NFL, you caught me. But it like didn't come with the vibes of like you caught me. It's like, wow, you're actually caring about this, right? I don't think they they realize how serious it's going to be. Like they're going to end up missing games. They're not Are you referring to the
0: season. tweet, by the way, where we gained access to Isaiah McKenzie's personal email address? Because I've been yeah, emailing uh, him nonstop. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I do wonder like how important that is because, you know, you send an email to someone that doesn't really matter. What really matters is like if you use Isaiah McKenzie's like email address and like, hmm, let's see what accounts you have can I reset your password? (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: You just gave so many listeners very naughty ideas. Oh my gosh. I'm
2: a, I'm a bad person. That's immediately where (laughs) my mind went.
1: I mean, maybe that'll teach Isaiah McKenzie a lesson. Like maybe he'll realize that this isn't a joke because that's how that tweet came off. It's like, this isn't serious. Nobody in our locker room takes it serious. And that's a problem. Like, the Chiefs and the Bucks, who are led by Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, have been completely no nonsense. You guys are getting vaccinated. We're trying to win rings. We're talking about legacies here. Don't mess around. We're not jeopardizing games because of it. Like, I fully believe that Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes could get a player cut for not getting vaccinated if they really wanted to on their respective football teams. Josh Allen's not doing that, obviously, and he's been quiet about whether or not he's been vaccinated. Obviously, the Bills aren't taking it very seriously. They're one of the least vaccinated teams in football, and their head coach is is very frustrated over it. Like well, it's probably it just...
0: due to their lead medical expert, um, Cole Beasley, who yeah is it, disseminating it, plenty of medical advice uh, within their within their locker room.
1: Yeah, it just makes me want to avoid their players. Like I I know Stefan Diggs is an incredible player and Josh Allen has a really high fantasy ceiling and stuff like that. But as far as my fantasy leagues go, as far as my season long bets and stuff like that go, I'm just avoiding the bills altogether because I, I don't trust anything that's happening within that organization right now. And the way they're managing this and navigating it just screams like, let down season for me so uh, i'm trying to avoid the bills at all costs uh before we take a quick break uh kate you've got some fantasy narratives that we want to squash before the season starts
0: oh absolutely so um we're should we do like a rapid rapid quick
1: uh you got do you got enough to just fire them off like we what we got here yeah just
2: machine gun it
1: Machine
0: yes. yes. gun it. All right. So I gave you my first takeaway, which I think is like the most important takeaway. Teddy Bridgewater is not bad for your fantasy football teams. Get over it. I just needed to reiterate that because that is one of like the the narratives that is really just absolutely crushing my soul right now. Um, you guys should be very excited that Teddy Bridgewater is the hey. starting quarterback. I want to talk about drops. Drops do not matter for fantasy football. Don't let anybody change that narrative for you. We saw last season uh, Deontay Johnson absolutely struggled uh, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers absolutely struggled with drops after returning from a concussion which uh, you know does affect your your spatial interactions your understanding you know it it does mess with you in terms of your your spatial recognition and and stuff like that Um, saw him struggle with drops and uh, he still finished the season with 144 targets. Um, when you're getting that kind of volume share, do not worry about the dropsies. Um, if he falls because people are worried about drops, please go and draft him. Um, let's talk about the the Steelers offensive line. How about that? Uh, I'm, I'm a huge Steelers fan. I, there's still lots of questions about what is going to really become of uh, the Steelers offensive line, how are they going to play in the coming season? It doesn't matter for Najee Harris. Um, I mean, we've seen him uh, play with backup offensive lines, of course, against backup defensive lines, backup linebackers, but uh, Najee Harris doesn't look to be phased by a little bit of contact. And that's exactly what he showed us uh, in all of his time at Alabama is that he doesn't uh, doesn't care about your contact because he's got yards after baby uh any any reactions to any of that so far
2: i, I think am... the naji thing is interesting right because i do think that people think of like rushing yards and rushing efficiency is like a product of the offensive line or play caller like that doesn't have much to do with a running back but naji does have a fairly unique talent you got to remember when college football was getting mad about all these camp rules and stuff like that. It's because Jim Harbaugh was trying to get into California, hosting a camp at Najee Harris's high school. Like that's the type of athletic prospect that we're talking about with it.
1: I totally agree with you. Kate dropsies do not matter in fantasy football or really in the NFL. They certainly don't matter here on NFL reacts. If you don't draft a player because he had a few drops last season that is a terrible draft strategy. Uh generally the guys who have the most drops in the NFL are also some of the most targeted wide receivers in the NFL. Tyreek Hill also had several drops last season. You're still drafting Tyreek Hill very highly in your fantasy league. So don't ever pay attention to that. Unless a guy just has like 50 of them, which isn't going to happen <laughs> at this level. You should never pay attention to drops. Um I would never not draft a running back because I'm questionable of his offensive line. Like, I yes, that's a, that's a problem. But like, I don't think Saquon Barkley has ever had a good offensive line in his NFL career and he struggled with injuries, but Saquon Barkley's a really talented player and you're still going to draft him. Uh, like, like you just don't do that. You don't avoid really talented players because you're questionable of other things. Like if you want to say it's because of a quarterback, Okay. The offensive line, even if it's one of the worst offensive lines in football, generally still isn't like a total train wreck. Like, like they could still get some, open up some holes occasionally for your talented running back. So I have faith in Najee Harris as Kate does. Uh, I think the Steelers offensive line, it might be terrible, but I think their overall offense is still going to be good. So I'm certainly not avoiding any Pittsburgh Steelers in any of my fantasy drafts. Uh, we do need to take a quick timeout, but as I mentioned earlier in the show, when we get back, we're gonna go across the board and we're gonna discuss some of Justice Moscada's least favorite season-long NFL bets. Y'all about to get ready to roll, man. So y'all put the kids to bed. I'm betting one more. Over. Under. I'm betting on myself the board. Welcome back into NFL reacts. I am Steven Serta of Arrowhead pride joined by Kate magic of DK nation, as well as justice Mosqueda of Acme packing co out Kate last week you were out. We discussed some of justice's favorite season long NFL bets. We went through the, the bets that we as a show justice telling our audience this is where you put your money this NFL season. So we're going to go through some of Justice's least favorite bets because there's a lot of bets out there that you might be tempted by because of the money. We want you to win money on this show, not lose money. So so we're going to go through some of the bets that he absolutely hates that you should avoid like the plague. So Justice, lay him on us.
2: So the first one I want to talk about, New Orleans Super Bowl, right? Plus three thousand for reference. You know those are long odds, but for reference, that's tenth in the league. They're already behind Tampa Bay in their own division. They have volatility everywhere on that roster. Everyone is banged up. They're eating so much dead cap for for seasons prior. I just don't understand how you lose games to New Orleans if it's not Jameis volatility, which is gonna win you as many times as it's gonna lose you games. And them just being able to beat you on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, so if you have a half decent line, I think you got a pretty good chance against New Orleans this year. Tenth, like that's a a playoff lock. I don't, I don't think New Orleans is a playoff lock. I'm a Packers fan. We get them week one. I don't really think that's a game. Like I think, I think Green Bay is going to be able to smoke them. So I don't understand really what we're doing with the New Orleans hype. I mean. Like I said earlier, Jameis is a fun player to watch. I think he's gonna throw the ball a lot. I think he's gonna throw the ball a lot too, because they're gonna be down a lot this year compared to years prior. So I don't really understand the Saints hype. I don't know how you guys feel about that one.
0: I'm a little bit uh I, I'm a little bit more skittish than you. Um, I, I do think that I mean, you're not just looking at uh the offense, you're looking at the defense, you're looking at the coaching staff you're looking now at all of that with Jameis winston under center i'm not as uh, skittish as you are about the odds but i do think that uh they're not the team i'm betting on
1: i've been pretty vocal about the fact that this new orleans saints roster which is really talented still and has been very talented for the last several years but they kept coming up short uh at the tail end of Drew Brees' career. I just think this overall roster, while they still have talent and they still have some young pieces, I feel like the core of it, that defense, that pass rush and stuff like that, I feel like it's just kind of missed its window with the makeup of what they have there. Like Alvin Kamara is still a really talented player. Michael Thomas, if he's ever healthy, we still believe is a really talented player. And I love Jameis Winston. I, I just don't see them being a Super Bowl caliber team this year. And also I'm in favor of Jameis throwing like 25 picks again because that means Jameis is doing everything that I love about him. So take the shots. You know that's the risky run with the player like Jameis. I just don't see the New Orleans Saints really being that competitive because I think, yeah, especially in that division, I think the Bucks are going to be better than they were last year. And they won a Super Bowl last year.
2: Uh my next bet. Buffalo, AFC East, minus 160. That's, you know, the lead there. I just think that whole division is a lot better than they were last year. You know, New England and the Miami Dolphins are plus 350. I think both of them are going to get more out of their passing game than they did last year. Um, Obviously, both have solid defenses moving forward. And then the Jets are all the way down at plus 2,500 you know, we just waxed poetically about uh, Mike LaFleur's uh, ability to structure an offense last year, or last uh, podcast we had on on Wednesday. I really think that Zach Wilson's in good hands, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was like a rookie of the year candidate. And I know we're not talking about him like that right now. But within the structure of the offense, that makes things so much easier for him than other quarterbacks are going to have opportunities at. So Plus, we just talked about the vaccination thing, right? So what happens if Buffalo is is down a game? Um, will, will the bets be uh, will the bets be, what is the word uh, recognized? Um, that's going to become an issue. I just think there's a lot of balls in the air right now in the AFC East, and none of them bode well for Buffalo looking as dominant as they were last year in that division.
1: Yeah, I've already kind of voiced it. I I think the AFC East is going to be fun, actually. Like, you know, we're last year. We were kind of curious about the Patriots and how they were going to look without Tom Brady. And they just simply weren't a very good football team last year, did not have a lot of talent and they had a lot of players opt out and, and, and stuff like that. But that division set up to be really competitive this season. And I, and the bills, actively and voluntarily putting themselves at a disadvantage certainly doesn't benefit them in any way. And the dolphins have a ton of upside. The jets have a talented young offensive line and a rookie quarterback and a really good coaching staff that could help take that team to the next level. Like I I'm actually really curious and excited to see, what we get out of the AFC East this year. And that's part of the reason why like I'm with you. I'm just out on the bills altogether.
2: Yeah, my next bet, Minnesota, NFC North, plus 250. So that's second. That's behind Green Bay. But way above Chicago, that's plus 550. If you're talking about dismounting the Green Bay Packers from the lead in the NFC North, what gets that done is quarterback play. I don't think Minnesota is going to have that quarterback play. I think if you're going to make that bet that, you know, Green Bay doesn't win the NFC North, it's coming via Justin Fields in Chicago. It's not coming from Minnesota. So I don't understand why Minnesota is even second in these odds right now. I I would put money on Chicago if you're actually talking about winning that division. You got to remember, this isn't even a, yeah, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, who's the next best team? You know, if all things are even, they still have Jordan Love off of the bench. Like he's still going to be able to run some of this boot action stuff that like Shanahan and those guys do with backup quarterbacks. So you need good quarterback play if you're going to win the NFC North and you're not Green Bay. Um, And I think that's going to come via Chicago. I don't think Minnesota really even has a chance.
1: I feel like it's got to have something to do with the fact that they refuse to name Justin Fields the starter. And okay,
2: we'll see. We'll see in week three. Yeah, we'll see in week three.
1: The, 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 I'm with you. I, I'm targeting Justin Fields everywhere I can get him. I think he's a superstar player. I think he can be a superstar fantasy player. But that's got to be it, I would imagine, because the Vikings have question marks all over the place. Like, their defense isn't the old Vikings defense that we're used to with a Mike Zimmer-led football team. Their offensive line is probably one of the worst offensive lines in football, and the bears are the most intriguing team in that division. Like you expect the lions to be one of the worst teams in football, right? Like they've just got a really bad roster. Uh, Jared Goff is their quarterback. The bears are the only other team that's really intriguing in, in that division. And it starts with Justin Fields. I think that there is a very real possibility that Andy Dalton gets absolutely crushed in week one. And then Justin Fields is the starter in week two, but the Bears are also sitting Andy Dalton in the final preseason game because he's the starter, and Justin Fields is expected to play the first half this weekend. So, and the Bears' offensive line's not great either. And Justin Fields, you saw that huge shot he took last week. The Bears are trotting him out there like he's definitively their backup quarterback.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think, I think a lot of. Tones are going to change after they feed Andy Dalton to the uh, Aaron Donald oh. Wolves in week one. I, I I think it's kind of like a sacrificial lamb type of situation where he's going in. Hey man, you're going to eat one on the chin. Justin Fields is coming in week two. I, I kind of think that that's what we're like Andy, headed for.
1: Andy's got to know that, right? Absolutely. He has to be aware of that. And, you know, Andy, I, I feel like, it was a promise they made to him, like, we'll give you week one. And then he looked at the schedule, and he was like, all right, I get it. I, I get that.
2: <laughs> I get it. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, last bet, Trevor Lawrence, rookie of the year, plus, plus 350. He's the lead. This is my problem with Trevor Lawrence, rookie of the year, right? So he's plus 350. Justin Fields is plus 600. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, plus 750, Mac Jones, plus 1,000. So you're getting twice the return if Zach Wilson or Trey Lance win rookie of the year. You're getting almost double the return if Justin Fields wins rookie of the year, and you're getting three times the return of Mac Jones. I I haven't seen anything this preseason that would say, you know, Trevor Lawrence out of this great quarterback class should be that far ahead in terms of the rookie of the year race. And I really worry about that bevel shoddy offense right where you know you hear Russell Wilson talk after the year and he says you know we got to change things up in the passing game because everyone knows all we want to do is run 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 and then it's going to be play action deep shot well what does that look like in a deficit because Russell Wilson the the Seahawks under Pete Carroll had the benefit of playing with the lead most of the time not all of the time but most of the time because they had a good team they had a good quarterback what does that look like? What does that strategy look like if you're a team that's like maybe 3 and 14 good? Cuz I can't say today that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be better than 3 wins from what we've seen this preseason. So that really stresses me out. I think of all of the talented quarterbacks, all of the nice homes that they landed in because of their draft position being taken after Trevor Lawrence, and I think all of those factors play go into effect and make it harder for Trevor Lawrence to come out as rookie of the year, even if he was the most talented quarterback in April.
0: Yeah. I think you definitely uh, hit the nail on the head here. I, for me, it comes down to these odds come down to name value. Um, And it seriously just uh, you know, obviously we, we get those league MVP votes in and, and, sometimes I wonder, like are, would they just ever give it to Trevor Lawrence because he is uh, the the right prospect everybody had him as uh, you know our, our top quarterback going into this this draft class. but um, I, I do think that all things considered the the offensive scheme, the uh, concerns you have I mean they have a, a limited receiving core there in Jacksonville. You have the the injury to etn. I think there's just so many different, moving pieces and parts there in Jacksonville that uh, you do have to be concerned that they're not going to be ready um, and and that they're not going to put Trevor Lawrence in the position that he is going to be ready to win uh, rookie of the year right out of the gate. Uh, Well, I guess that's really your only opportunity to win it, but uh, you, you just have to be concerned there. I think that there are other quarterbacks that are in a position to make a larger uh, NFL impact year one period.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a little bit more difficult for uh, Justin Fields and Trey Lance like not being named Week One starters, but you assume they're going to be starters sooner rather than later. So they're still in play for something like that. But Zach Wilson, in my opinion, is a better bet. But, like just the system, the coaching staff, the personnel, like everything that he's got right now. And we know he is a guaranteed week one starter. I just don't trust Urban Meyer and that coaching staff. It just seems like bad decision after bad decision, a rebuilding roster that took a rookie quarterback number one overall in the draft and then took a running back later in the first round when they still had holes all over the place. Like it just doesn't seem like it's a well-run organization right now. So I I don't trust. Trevor Lawrence or Jacksonville and there's a case to be made that Trevor Lawrence has looked the least impressive of any quarterback so far this preseason I I don't oh he
2: said it it's gonna get clipped hey Jack's Twitter
1: I don't think that that means he's the least talented by any means like he's obviously a really really talented quarterback with all the upside in the world but when you look at the tape of every other rookie quarterback and the things that they have shown, I think they're all in better situations than he is. He's looked the least impressive probably with everything that we've seen so far. He he's got the flashy throws here and there, but that offense just looks bad. Like it just looks like a bad football team.
2: Yeah, that's fair. And you know, when I talk to Jags fans, I always kind of like asked, ask for like their expectations, right? Cause it, they're in a very weird spot where they've been bad for so long. But now they have the savior quarterback, right? And I ask him, like, what what would you be happy with this year? And they're like, ah, six wins. I'm like, oh, okay, that's not gonna win you rookie of the year. Okay, never <laughs> mind. So like the expectation isn't even necessarily there outside of like what Kate explained, like name value, it just being listed on the prop. And that's why I think it's mispriced. Um yeah. You guys want to become like the Zach Wilson podcast. Like we could do it. We, I'm actually we could just, in. Like, I'm in, I'm, I'm in, like I've seen enough of him this preseason that I, I trust the offensive coordinator um, and really just the offensive structure in general, as long as they can rush the passer on defense, I think they can win enough games. Um, That's going to be the big issue. You know, Carl Lawson going down with that Achilles injury, like, That's huge for those defenses that just want to play like cover three all the time. If you don't have the four pass, if you're only sending four, someone's got to get home to the quarterback. And if you don't have one of those four being a great pass rusher, um, you're going to run into problems. And Carl Lawson was supposed to be that. He's hurt now. He's out for the year. I kind of have had hesitation in terms of like team expectations for the Jets just because of that, unless they can make a move and somehow get a pass rusher in there. Um, But as far as the offense goes, I'm really excited for, Wilson and, and LaFleur and everything just in general that they have going on there.
1: Yeah. I'm so down to be the Zach Wilson pod right now. I just <laughs> Let's picked, do it. Picked him up in a fantasy league. Cause he went undrafted. I am on board the Zach Wilson train. So I am about it. Uh, there is preseason action this week. Of course it's the final week of the preseason. Uh, most teams across the league have already announced that they're likely to sit their starters. But the Kansas City Chiefs, according to Andy Reid, I don't really believe him, but he claims that the starters are going to play the first half tonight against the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see about that. So that's something you could keep an eye on this weekend. As we finish up preseason action, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are actually expected to play their starters for a little bit as well. And Justin Fields, just, you know, we're all locked into Justin Fields in the preseason. He's supposed to start for the bears this weekend and play the entire first half, according to their head coach. So keep an eye out for that. This has been NFL reacts. Thank you guys so much for joining us each and every week. Make sure you subscribe rate and review you can follow justice mosqueda on twitter at j-u-m-o-s-q i'm steven serta that's where you can find me on twitter of course and you can follow kate Madjuk on twitter at ff ball blast thank you guys so much we will talk to you next week